know, I often say, imagine a place where you go to work every day. You make a contribution to something bigger than yourself. You feel safe and are protected by a compelling set of values. You learn something new and you go home happy. Happy people create happy families. Happy families create happy communities. And we need a happy world of happy communities more than ever now. More and as leaders, as leaders, we can, we can impact that because we're the ones that are either sending them home unhappy or happy because of the way they're treated. Welcome to the Mastering Overwhelm podcast. I'm Mark Silverman. If you're dealing with the crushing responsibilities of running a business, leading a team, all while trying to live life, you're in the right place. Our job is to help you thrive in your business, relationships, and your personal well-being. Please enjoy the show. Before we get started today, I have something for you. If you have a challenge that has something to do with the people in your life, head on over to markjsilverman.com for the free Powerful Conversations Worksheet. One of the most amazing things about what I get to do for a living, besides coaching and leading workshops, is interviewing fascinating people. And before they come on the podcast, I get to spend hours and hours learning about them. Uh, and every once in a while, I fall head over heels in love with how a person is just, just presents in the world and who they be in the world uh, and for the people around them. And my next guest, Gary Ridge, is no exception. I've spent hours listening to him talk, reading uh, what he has to say, and I'm just really pleased to bring him to the podcast so you can really... Huh. I'm stumbling over my words because I have thousands of, of notes and uh, all kinds of stuff I want to talk to Gary about, but we're going to try and keep it really focused. So let me give you the, uh, the official introduction to uh, Gary. He is the chairman and chief executive officer of WD40. Uh, remember, now, in order to run your life, you need two things in the world. You need duct tape and you need WD40. Without those two things, we cannot survive as a species. He's a native from Australia, so he talks just like my, my navigation system in my car. Uh, he has a Master of Science in Executive Leadership from the University of San Diego, and he's now an adjunct professor there. So he teaches everything that we're going to be talking about. He's co-authored a book with Ken Blanchard, Helping People Win at Work, a business philosophy called Don't Mark My Paper, Help Me Get an A, and uh, a Tribe Culture in How He Shaped WD-40. He's also a certified Marshall Goldsmith coach. So he's helping other CEOs learn his gold. Uh, Gary, thank you for being here. <laughs> G'day, Mark. Can I, can I really give you my official, how I introduce myself? Absolutely. Hi, I'm Gary Ridge, the consciously incompetent, probably wrong and roughly right chairman and CEO of WD-40 Company. And it's just great to be here. So why, why, is, that, why is that so important for you to share with people? Vulnerability and leadership is so important. And, you know, when I was growing up in Australia, you know, my mom, who lived to 99 years old, used to say to me, you know, Gary, everybody around you and everybody you interact with is as equal to you. So don't put yourself on a pedestal. Don't, you know, you don't think you're better than anyone else. Uh, we're all equal. And I think that's important. You know, you've probably heard me say often, one of the attributes of Al, the soul-sucking CEO, who is, uh, you know, he, he creates these toxic cultures, is that his ego eats his empathy instead of his empathy be eating his ego. So I'm, I'm, just, I'm just Gary. It's, it's so interesting. Uh, in the CEOs that I get to meet, Jeff Hoffman from Priceline, the, the humility 
that precedes guys like you uh, and women just really is breathtaking to me because you think when you meet someone who's that successful and has that much public praise, it would be something different. And time after time, I find that it's your humility that you lead with that is the game changer. Yeah, we got a lot of scar tissue, so we better use it. <laughs> Huge responsibility. So if you're not humble, it's it's it can absolutely be crushing. So I really want to focus this, I want to talk to you about so many things. I'm actually going to have people also go to my friend Meredith Bell, who introduced us, her Grow Strong Leaders podcast, because you talk about leadership and culture there in such a profound way. I'm going to, I'm going to put that in the show notes. I really want you to go and listen to that. But for today, I want to talk, I want you to talk about how you're kind of helping people through these times. So, you know, we're coming to the end, hopefully the end of the COVID-19 pandemic. So, you know, people are still on pins and needles about we're going back to work, whether or not all that. The last two, three, four years have been political vitriol at such a high level. Our allostatic load that, you know, that just that level of stress we walk out the door with before we even hit, you know, our jobs uh, is at an all time high. How are you helping your people navigate this crazy time? Well, you know, I think number one is one of the biggest demobilizers we have in life is fear. And, you know, I, I love the saying that uncertainty is a series of future events that may or may not occur. And unfortunately, what happens in organizations is if you don't distill down the environment that we're into, you know, this is something that may happen. This probably won't happen. And these are the things that we can do something about. And these are the things we can't. So let's not overwhelm ourselves with everything and let's just focus in. So when we first you know, entered this roller coaster ride of COVID back in March 2020, you know, we said as a company, we have three clear objectives. Number one, the safety and the well-being of our people. Number two, taking care of our customers as we can. And number three, protecting the underbody of our company so that we could thrive when this was over. And what I learned was that in the face of real and great need, people can pivot around fear. So it was about communication, transparency, all of those things that are that are important to keep people in a state where I really do know what I can impact and what I can't impact. When you say pivot around fear, what you mean is have the fear, but actually act in a, in a sane manner anyway. Let me give you a typical example what we're doing today. Now, before t March 2020 in our facilities in London and Sydney and in San Diego, we had all this video equipment, you know, we had the, the technique and the tools to do this. And I, I'd be ever frustrated because we weren't using it. And then COVID came and it was compulsory. We had to use it. Mm -hmm. So guess what? We forgave people around their fear. So if the dog barked, it's okay. You know, if someone walked in to get something off the printer, it's okay. In fact, in some of the early times, I purposely screwed up on video calls to show it's okay. You know, so this fear that we had was, we had to pivot around it because to get to where we wanted to go, we had to master doing what we're doing now. So one of the things that you said was really that I think helps with the fear is you've, you've talked about people being on their own hero's journey. We don't know what people are going through on the weekends, in the evenings. We don't know what they faced, who got sick in their house, uh, what it was like homeschooling, you know, while, while, while distance learning. 
Uh, and you said, you know, coming back to work isn't going to be like a light switch. No. How are you helping be- people port back in? Yeah, it's not like a light switch. It's going to be a, like a dimmer switch. We're going to turn it up and we're going to see how bright it is. And if it's too bright, we're going to have to turn it back down again and we have to turn it up. So again, it's transparency. You know, what do we expect? You know, we've said about our facilities, we're going to make the place where you come back to work if you choose to as safe or safer than any other place that you would like to visit. Now, when we started talking about working from home and hybrid and all of these new things that suddenly we talked about, what became clear to us, it wasn't about working from home. It's about working from where, because as an organization, we've worked from a lot of where's already. So we said, use our values in the company to decide if you need to work in the office, if you need to work sitting on a beach, if you need to work on an airplane, if you need to work in a hotel room in some place around the world. And by giving you that permission, it'll take away the stress of, oh, I do I have to go in and do I not have to go in. Now, it's that's working out pretty, pretty well for us. Um, However, you know, we have times like when the second Omnicon surge came in, we turned up the, the dimmer switch a little bit on the on the side of maybe only come in if you really have to if again mm. let's not make it so you're afraid of of the environment that you're going to go into yeah a lot of my clients had people coming back and then all of a sudden they had to go remote again or their mm. you know their kids are no longer in school and it's just been up and down and in and out so how do you how do you help your leadership deal with the lack of feeling of control having everybody remote because that's one of the things I see is there's an anxiety of really not, not knowing what's going on with their people. Oh, you know, I, I don't think we have that anxiety because if you've got clearly defined, you know, we talk about, you know, we're not here to mark your paper. We're here to help you get an A. So what does an A look like? So, you know, if you clearly define what the expectations are and you're brave enough to have the conversations around those things, you know, Culture in an organization, I have an algorithm. Culture equals values plus behavior times consistency. Mm-hmm. So as a leader, um, number one is you, in an organization, you have to have a clearly defined set of values that people understand. And those values are there to not only protect people, but set them free. So we say in the organization, you can just about make any decision on your own as long as you use our values as, as your filter. The next one is behavior. Leaders have to love their people enough and as a leader, be brave enough. And what do I mean by that? They have to love them enough to recognize them for doing great work. They have to love them enough to you know, praise them when they need to, but they have to be brave enough to also redirect them when they need to be redirected. And they need to do that in a caring way not having the old you know, ego come in and say, it's all about me, but it's empathy. Empathy has got to come into play. Hey, we, Mark, agreed this, or we are going to do that. And let's keep connected around that and to ensure that we're doing it. So, and then you've got to do it consistently. You know, a lot of people think that culture in an organization is about taking, you know, some fairy dust and sprinkling it over the organization. It's not, it's not that at all. You know, I want, I'm also going to put a link to your employment page at WD40, because that is a treasure trove of culture gold. Uh, and I want to go work at WD40. Like, it's just like, I want to be a part of this. 
so what do you say to leaders who say, I don't have time for that. I don't have time to care about people's feelings. I don't have time. We have, we have a bottom line to take care of. We have things we have to do deal with. We have crises. Why do I have to hold people's hands? Honestly, what do I say to them? Honestly. Make time because it's the, because our success is based on two things, the will of the people and a strategy that we want to execute. And if you have low will of the people, so, you know, some of the latest research that was done on employee engagement, uh, Hubert Jolet in his book, um, The Heart of Leadership, shared that research and they, they ADP research, research 1900 companies around the world and the employee engagement number was 16%, which means 84% of people were coming to work and they were sitting and quitting. So if our job is to have a high will of the people, which is have people highly engaged, and if they are and we have a reasonable strategy, we'll be successful. So your number one responsibility as the leader is to do what you need to do to build the will of the people. The strategy, we've, we've worked that out. I mean, we've got it, but you have to find the time. It's your responsibility. You're here as a coach to make sure that you help people step into the best version of their personal self and to have them feel like they belong. One of the biggest desires we have as human beings is to belong. Think about Maslow's hierarchy to self-actualization. The first two rungs of that are, do I have food and am I safe? The third one is love or belonging. Most organizations don't provide that place where people actually feel like they belong. You know, I often say, imagine a place where you go to work every day. You make a contribution to something bigger than yourself. You feel safe and are protected by a compelling set of values. You learn something new and you go home happy. Happy people create happy families. Happy families create happy communities. And we need a happy world of happy communities more than ever now. More and as ever. leaders, as leaders, we can we can impact that because we're the ones that are either sending them home unhappy or happy because of the way they're treated. You know, I've never ever been in a situation where when I've treated someone with respect, dignity, care, empathy, whatever, that it hasn't benefited me. You know, imagine walking into a Marriott hotel at 10 o'clock at night and there behind the desk is the, the you know, the reception check-in person. And maybe you say to them, Mark, thank you for being here at 10 o'clock at night. I've had a long flight, but I tell you what, you're the most important person in my life right now because I'm tired and you bothered to stay here this late to help me get a room. And you know what happens? Sometimes you get an upgrade because you've actually right. been nice, nice to someone, but you've been nice in authentic ways because they are, they may not want to be there at 10 o'clock at night, but I, gosh, I'm so glad they are because I just want to go and, you know, flake out. One of my favorite lines in Alyssa Cohn's book uh, from Startup to Grown Up is that leadership is an unnatural act. It needs to be learned. Uh, one of the things I've noticed, and one of the reasons I have a job uh, as an executive coach, which is I'm really glad about, is that often people get promoted because, like the sale, the best sales guy will get promoted to the sales manager, which is a completely different skill set and something they have to learn. Often people are promoted in their organizations because they worked harder than everybody else. They're better at the job than anybody else, and now they need to now learn success through others. Where do they start? Where do they start when they when they've been a grinder, when they've been someone who's just really been effective at a job, and now they have to help other people become effective? Where do they start to learn those other skills? Where do you where do you start people? Sure, and you know I think you've hit the nail on the head, Mark. Is that 
one of the reasons we invest so much time in sharing the attributes of good leadership right throughout the organization is so people, when they move into new roles, understand that you manage a bank account, you coach and lead people. And, you know, what's the attributes of a great coach? So managers that get put into a leader's job that still want to be a manager, what are they doing? They're running on the field wanting to play the game. The great coach is on the sideline observing the play and in the locker room, that's the conversation side of it, talking to the people they're coaching. So, you know, we invest a lot of time, talent and treasure to, with everybody in the company, teaching them and making them aware of the attributes of leadership, care, candor, accountability, responsibility. What does that look like? Not only that, leaders in the organization need to mirror that because the, the, the tribe members, because we call ourselves a tribe, not a team, the tribe members will react to and act like the people who lead them. So again, you know, this is, when I, when I was at school, Many years ago in Australia, in a science class, you know, the, the science teacher gave me a Petri dish and they said, we're going to grow culture. So we, we put some stuff in the Petri dish, right? And what did the science teacher tell me? Well, we've got the ingredients and we know we're going to, build, we're going to grow nice culture here, but your job as the person that is responsible for this Petri dish is to watch that culture every day. And as soon as you see toxins and antibodies getting in there, you've either got to treat those toxins and antibodies or you've got to get them out of there. Because if you don't, you're just going to end up with a sour mess. And that's really what leadership's about. It's about what are the ingredients you use to coach people? And then how are you doing that? And, and are you doing it consistently? Wow. So you said something earlier that I, I this is is sticking with me. You said that uh, your people feel protected by the values of the organization. Did I hear that correctly? Yes. So how are people protected by the values of an organization? Well, they know what the boundaries are, so it gives them permission to be able to act. They don't have to quack up the hierarchy all the time to try and get some decision. You know, my, my mentor and, and dear friend Ken Blanchard has a way of talking about it. He says, you know, eventually, not only do you quack up, if you quack up the hierarchy long enough, you get to the to the King Mallard, quack, quack, quack. <laughs> so, you know, our our job is these values protect people and they give them the safe playing field. Here's an example. Imagine a, a paddock full of sheep and around the, the paddock is a fence. And on the outside of the fence, there's a lot of hungry wolves. They're going to eat the sheep if they get out from under the fence. If you put the feed for the sheep in the middle, where do most of the sheep hang out? around the feed because that's where they want to be. So if the feed is the values of your organization, mm. the values are protecting them. Now, if you don't put the feed in the middle, the sheep will wander out around the side of the fence and more will get out under the fence and get eaten because there's nothing to protect them. The feed is protecting them. The values are protecting the people from getting out under that fence and being eaten by the wolves of business that are out there. That's so. That's such a profound story. I love that. Uh, I thought I was giving. My, I'm giving myself points because I wanted to make sure I got you to say "quack up the ladder." So <laughs> <laughs> that was that was that was one of my goals for this podcast. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious about yourself. 
so you're, you know, you're the CEO of a multinational organization that is grow that is still growing uh, mm-hmm. and adding new products. It's really breathtaking. Uh, and you're an executive coach. Uh, so you have, you take the, you take the time not only to help your own people, but to help other organizations. So you have a mission in the world. How do you manage your time and how do you keep from being overwhelmed from all your responsibilities? Oh, uh, I have the best job in the world. I wake up every day to create positive lasting memories. The most exciting part of that is finding out all the ways to do it. So I have a, a filter around, is this meaningful work for me? And I don't do anything unless I put it through that filter. And meaningful work is work that matters to me and helps others. So if it doesn't matter to me and it doesn't help others, I won't do it. I just won't do it. And that's the simple way I do it is, is by having those, again, those lanes of life that I try and stay in. Otherwise, you know, at the end of the day, we're just simple human beings bumbling down this little road of life. And unfortunately, in the bushes are thieves that want to come in and take us off that road and get us in the bushes. And those thieves are things like guilt and anger and greed and, you know, all of that stuff. And if we don't have some way of recentering ourselves, we'll get really tired fighting those thieves. You know, on my computer screen here, I have a little stick, sticky note in front of me. You see, I have a, I don't know if this is video or not, but you see, I have a lot of sticky notes over here because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm consciously incompetent, as I told you, and I need to remind myself of a lot. But the one I have in front of me, which I love, and I got this from uh, my friend Marshall Goldsmith, who, um, you know, you probably know of the group that he's in because that's because you know, Lisa, Lisa's in that and, and one of your future guests, uh, my good buddy, Aussie buddy, and Michael Bungay-Stain is in that as well. But here's what this little sticky note says, Mark. Am I being the person I want to be right now? And then under that, it says, what is that person? And I have these things listed. I want to be caring. I want to be empathetic. I want to be reasonable. I want to be a listener. I want to be fact-based. I want to be balanced. I want to be a curious leader and learner. And I want to throw sunshine, not a shadow. So I have that in front of me, which helps me make sure that I keep on my track. All those things that you just said are being goals, not doing goals. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so you're, you're starting with being before what you're going to go do in the world. I think yeah, I think who do that, I want to be? Who do I want to be? And I, I don't I know. Be. I don't know that a lot of people spend enough time. Who do I need to be in order to have the effect that I want to have in the world? Mm-hmm. Well, and only you can make up your mind about that. If you're aware of it, if it's a, if you, if it's an awareness that you want to have, because, you know, the Dalai Lama said, Our purpose in life is to make people happy. If we can't make them happy, at least don't hurt them. And I read that many, many years ago. And and after reading it, I looked around and I said, leaders in companies are not acting like that. They're hurting people. Why do we want to do that? I don't want to hurt anybody. And it doesn't mean that you can't be tough-minded and tender-hearted. It doesn't mean that you run an organization or lead an organization where the prisoners run the prison. doesn't mean that. It means that you're caring, you're candid, you hold people accountable and you expect them to be responsible. You treat them with respect and dignity and you create a place where they belong and you show them the love that you would show. 
did you always have this open heart or did something happen in your life to kind of, you know, like you're dropping the Dalai Lama, you're dropping, did something happen that, that kind of pivoted you in this direction? Yeah. Um, back in 1997, I was given the privilege to lead the company and I went, oh, I don't know how to do this. I, you know, I was the, I used to be called the one-time traveling salesman from Australia. You know, here I am not long in this country. I'd only lived here for three years. And now I'm, I'm, I've been given the responsibility and um, I, I, I don't know what to do. And that's why I went back to school. You know, I went back to school. I did my master's in leadership at USD. That's where I met Ken Blanchard, who was my professor. And I love the attributes of servant leadership. Because I, I, there were three words that, that I learned that the most powerful words in my life. And when I got, once I got comfortable with them, the life changed. And the three words were, I don't know. And when I got comfortable with those three words, I don't know, what it told me is I need all the help I can get. Mm. So how do I get people to help me? Well, if you serve them, they will help you. You know, if you went in, if you serve someone, they will help you. So if I'm, dedicated to helping them, then I think they'll help me. I, th I found that true in life. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I listen to people that hit roadblocks just everywhere they go, unhelpful people and all that. And that's not my experience in the world. My experience in the world is people want to help me. People make things smoother for me almost all the time. And my guess is it's because of how I'm being in the world. Right? Yeah. So you know, when I hear other people complaining, I'm, I'm always questioning like who are you being when you're showing up to that counter and your rental car is not there right how do you get that help since you're since you're such a busy guy and you get to spend things time on that, that give you meaning and joy who do who have you hired to help you with all the things because i you know what i hear over and over is i'm just so busy i'm so buried i have so many responsibilities nobody in my organization takes care of things the way i would take care of them who, do, who have you hired and who have you brought into your life to make sure you can pay attention to what you what matters to you? Well, firstly, Mark, I don't like the word busy. I think it's an excuse. My word, what I say, I'm not busy. I have an abundance of worthwhile work. <laughs> so that's the difference. So I'm not busy. I just have a lot of worthwhile work to do. But, you know, I'm fortunate that the if you talk about who we've hired internally, you know, we have a leadership team that's dedicated to the same things we are. In fact, the master's degree that I did back in the year 2000, 34 people in our company have been, we've sponsored them and paid for them. They have master's degrees in leadership. And then we've taken that and we've turned it into a faculty. So one of the, the uh, requirements of being funded through that program at USD, which it's, it's not an inexpensive program. It's, you know, sixty, right. seventy thousand dollars uh, is that you will become a faculty member of our leadership faculty and you will then start to teach this out. So over time, we've built this learning and teaching organization. The number one responsibility of a tribal leader is to be a learner and a teacher. That's the number one responsibility. If you look at the attributes of a tribe, it's the number one. And, you know, when I studied the Indigenous Australians and the Fijian Islanders, and I spoke to tribal leaders in, you know, Australia, and I sat in, you know, in, in, on islands in Fiji and spoke to their tribe members, I asked them what the number, what their number one responsibility was. And they were, they said, hey, our job is to teach the tribe to survive, because if we don't do that, and 
think about this. If we were to go back in a time warp now and to, to my homeland of Australia and be able to observe a, a tribal meeting of Indigenous Australians, what would the tribal leader be doing? He'd be teaching the younger tribe members to throw a boomerang. Why? Because if you weren't competent at throwing a boomerang, the chances of survival were low because the boomerang was the tool of survival. So as leaders, our job is to teach people to throw the appropriate boomerang to be able to, to survive. So again, it's not about who you bring in, but it's about how you nurture them. And, and you know, as you said, if you go to our, our careers page at the company, the first thing that pops up is these are our values. And if you don't align with these, don't call us because we don't want to know you. You know, we, we employ and hire people for values first. I can, I can help anybody learn an Excel spreadsheet. Um, certainly that you've got to have disciplines and competencies in certain disciplines at a certain level. But we'd love to hire people who are in the developing mode, who are you know not necessarily the best, but who want to be better than they are today. And we want to help them get there because that also gives them fulfillment because we as an organization have helped them explore and expand their knowledge and their competency and their value they can add to the world. If you had uh, one minute, with another human being, and you can only teach them one thing, you can only impart one piece of advice or one insight, what would it be? It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about those that you touch every day. You know, life's a gift. Let's not send it back unwrapped. Let's, you know, let's get, let's get some unwrapping going on here. Gary, I am so much better for having spent 20, 25 30 minutes with you. Uh, I really appreciate the wisdom and insight that you brought to the show. Thank Where you. can people find more about you? Um, LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me there. Search me, Gary Ridge. I have a website, www.thelearningmoment.net. I post some blogs up there. I have a, a books recommendations page. So uh, those are probably the two, the two best places. Great. And we're going to put that in the show notes as well as, uh, again, my friend Meredith Bell's Grow Strong Leaders podcast because I thought that that uh, conversation was breathtaking in its you know focus on leadership. This was so wonderful. I appreciate you taking the time. My pleasure. Keep changing the world. We can in a good way. Everybody else, thank you so much for following me over to this new podcast. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Uh, like, the, like the podcast, rate it because it's new. We need all that stuff all over again. I love you a ton. Thank you. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you for joining us at the Mastering Overwhelm podcast. I really appreciate your time and attention. If you like the podcast, please share it. Please rate us on wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have questions, send them to mark and markjsilverman.com. And I'll see if I can get that type of expert or answer the question myself on the podcast. Have a great rest of the day.